This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 52 of Retired Racehorse Radio on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products and Cashel Products. Retired Racehorse Radio is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse, brought to you in cooperation with the Retired Racehorse Project and New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. On today's show, we talk with Kelly Stobie about her amazing work rehoming racehorses through Caribbean Thoroughbred Aftercare. Chelsea Burris of Friends of Ferdinand joins us to talk about their new pilot, the Broodmare Bunch. And Leandra joins us with another new training tip to start spring off right and introduces our adoptable horse of the week. Stay tuned. And they're off on Retired Racehorse Radio, the podcast that is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse. This is Jamie Jennings, and I'm in Norman, Oklahoma. And this is Joy Hills of Detroit, Michigan, and you're listening to Retired Racehorse Radio. It's still crazy to hear you say Detroit because you have now moved. I mean, we are super good friends, but like you live in Michigan and I live in Oklahoma. So we only get to see each other a couple times a year. So how are things in your new place? Oh my gosh, Jamie. Amazing. I'm so happy. It's, it's almost too perfect still. Like I I can't really find too many issues. Um, I, I guess the only one that I can think of, there's too many donut and coffee places near me. I'm going to get really <laughs> fat here. <laughs> Not possible. I've seen uh, and they're vegan donuts. So I was like, Oh, I can actually eat those. What? <laughs> oh, it's like, they're, it's like, there's no calories in a vegan donut. So yeah, that's what I'm telling they're myself anyway. Donuts. Yeah. It's a clean donut. Right. Uh, but yeah, it's so wonderful. I'm settling in great. Um, my neighbors seem really wonderful. And then the barn's just been phenomenal. Um, I really couldn't be more happy. I, like the best training session I've had with Astrid in three years. It was just full connection. She's typically like in a new place. She's alert, but sh- she's trustful of me. She'll she'll watch me for guidance. But I'm telling you, Jamie, I took her into the indoor for the first time, and like her head's just nice and low. Her back soft. She's swinging through her hind end. She's just totally engaged. Was told she doesn't normally like me to be separated from her, like to go into the tack room and then come back. She gets a little anxious. And this horse is just like sitting, eyes drooping. I'm like, I'm going to take your temperature because something's wrong. Well, see, uh, like, but see, <laughs> a lot of that joy is it all comes from you. Was she anxious mm-hmm. to be away from you or were you anxious to be away from her? And whatever you're putting out is what she's picking up. And you know what? You're in a really good space right now. So whatever you're putting out, your horse is. Yeah, she's a sensitive chestnut thoroughbred mare. I mean, what else are you going to do? Like she sounds like my therapist right now. Well, you're welcome. That (laughs) one's free, (laughs) but they do. I mean, it's amazing. You know, when I go to feed in my barn, I have a couple horses that have been starved before and get really, really stressed about feeding. And so I'm always like, I got to rush to feed. I got to rush to feed. I got to get it because they're going to start pawing and I don't want them to paw and bang on the stalls and it drives me crazy. So I start to feed. And then I started noticing that my new, uh, horse Parker, the new off the track thoroughbred has started to get anxious. Mm -hmm. And 
I'm like, is it he's picking it up from his friends or is it me? I think I'm creating all the stress because I'm like, rush, rush, rush to feed and get it all done. Somebody can just be quiet and eat. Just mm-hmm. so I, I don't know how much of it's me or how much of it's him, but it is definitely something. Remember, these horses, like they just pick up everything they and you, you. you sound 100%. great. And so, you know what? Give yourself a little credit for getting your stuff situated and straightened out and, and, and it's reflecting in your horses. So that's awesome. Yeah, it's it, thank you, Jamie. It's definitely been really wonderful, and I, I'm excited for it. You know, we probably won't go to any shows in person this year just to keep things easy. And let's be real, moving's expensive. Yeah. Um. So, and I just found out I'm gonna have to get a new cart as well. It's like cool, all <laughs> the all new the things. things. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, fresh start, whatever. Yeah. Fresh start, but we'll do some online dressage shows and just you know, spend some time getting reacquainted and building up my confidence too. And so that, that's been great. How, what's been new for you? I mean, I feel like now it's spring coming in. You just, you know, are getting back into riding after your surgery. I'm sure you're just back at it. Oh my gosh. I'm just shocked at how, let me give you a perspective. So I'm a, I'm a Monty Roberts certified instructor and I'm living in Oklahoma and I'm an inventor. So we've got an English uh, rider here in the central uh, middle of Oklahoma who also doesn't use any kind of cowboy things to train horses. And so I'm, I'm a bit different than your typical kind of Oklahoma area kind of horse trainer. You know what I mean? Like there's no whips, there's no spurs, there's no nothing here. And by the way, we ride English. It's definitely different. And Joy, I am booked up and training horses through July. And I'm also not the cheapest. Like I'm, I'm, I'm probably one of the more expensive ones. If I've, I've looked around at some of the people around here now, you get, and my thought was like, you're going to get what you pay for. And I work very hard with every horse and every horse gets a lot of time and attention, a lot of training. And, um, I'm not the cheapest. I ride English and I do this weird Monty Roberts stuff and, uh, people are really grabbing onto it. So I'm really excited about the prospect of reaching all of these people and all of these horses and letting people know that you don't have to use violence in horse training. So I, I feel like it's, it's a snowball effect and it's starting to catch on here. So I'm, I'm pretty excited. So going forward, bring on the horses. The first one arrives on Friday post-surgery. So I haven't had anybody here, but the first one gets here Friday. Uh, oh no, sorry. I pick up two on Wednesday and one comes oh on my Friday. Gosh. So it, this it's the calm before for the storm for sure. But I'm, I'm really excited. Oh, that's definitely exciting. And we got spring coming. There's just lots of nice things on the table. I'm also excited for our guests today. Cause I think we're going to have some really fun, heartfelt stories coming from them. But before we get to that, let's hear from our premier sponsor, Kentucky performance products. This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Managing horses can be challenging. Each horse's personality affects the way he behaves and reacts to the world around him. 
Horses with certain dispositions can be at higher risk for developing health problems than others. High-strung or excitable horses are easily stressed, but so is the timid, quiet warrior. Stressed horses are more likely to develop digestive upsets that lead to colic, diarrhea, and ulcers. Nalox Advanced was specifically developed to support a digestive tract that is under stress. It sustains proper pH levels, reducing the incidence of ulcers and hindgut imbalances, while simultaneously supporting the healing of damaged tissue. Nalox Advanced supports the complete digestion of starches and sugars and sustains populations of beneficial bacteria. Make life a little easier on your sensitive horse and start him on Nalox Advanced today. To learn more about the ingredients in Nalox Advanced, visit Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. Many of us have probably heard of Caribbean Thoroughbred Aftercare. It's an amazing organization that does incredible work. And Kelly Stobie is the amazing woman behind it all. She's English-born, Canadian-raised, has been living in Puerto Rico for many years now, and has just made some breakthrough contributions to the Thoroughbred Aftercare industry. So welcome to the show, Kelly. Hi, thank you for having me. This is really exciting. We're excited to have you. I mean, I've got, I never even knew about Caribbean Thoroughbred Aftercare until my friend Kyle Rolfus adopted Binky from you. And I got to see a lot of the, the hardships and work that goes into having hor- or race horses in that area. I, I didn't even know there were horses racing in Puerto Rico. What's that industry like compared to what we think of in Kentucky? Well, I mean, I've never lived in the United States, um, the mainland, um, and I've never been to any, I mean, I've been to the, the racetracks since we um, opened up Caribbean Thoroughbred after here, but I've never, I don't really know what the other tracks are like, so I can't really compare. I just know being down here in an island and working with these off-the-track thoroughbreds for um, 20 three years I've been in Puerto Rico and then I was in St. Martin before that. And we had some off the track thoroughbreds there also from Puerto Rico. I think that uh, it's definitely a, a challenge. It's um, it's something that I want to give up like almost every week because I just think I can't do it anymore, but I have such, um, such a great team, um, our board members and all the TAA accredited aftercares that, um, are, are supporting us and helping us move horses. And I think that that's what just basically keeps me going. Um, the racetrack here, there's a, a lot to improve on, like some of the tracks in, in the U S in the mainland. And I think little by little, we're accomplishing more and more every week with the uh, well-being of the horses, the treatment of the horses, how the horses are being shipped to Puerto Rico. We have a new racing administration now, which we hope um, we have met with in the past month. And we hope that they're going to come through with a lot of the ideas that we have presented to them in order to... uh, give kind of a safety net for the horses, not to overrace them. So we don't have so many breakdowns mm-hmm. and um, basically to keep a good relationship with the racing administration is really important to us. Absolutely. And that's great to hear that you have that new organization there to kind of give some support and offer that hope. Cause it's challenging in the mainland. So I can only imagine, you know, what it's like in Puerto Rico as well. Because it's just not what you think of, you know, being an island, you don't have the lush green fields everywhere and 
you know, the, the landscape that we do up here. And so I can only imagine hay costs, veterinary costs, um, bedding costs. It's, it's got to be quite expensive to have an operation like that just on the racing end, let alone on the aftercare end. Um, before we get into all of that, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up in Puerto Rico doing this work. Well, like I said, I was in St. Martin before I came here. Um, we had a Hurricane Lewis, which was in 2000, 2006, no, 2005, in, um, or maybe sooner, I can't even remember, <laughs> that was a Category 5 hurricane that hit us in St. Martin, devastated the island, and uh, we needed medical um my boyfriend and I, my boyfriend at the time and I, we needed medical supplies for um, the horses on the island. Of course, the island didn't have enough to take care of all the um, injured horses that we had. So I had gotten a phone number um, from our vet there in St. Martin of the people at the racetrack here. And they said, well, see if you can contact them and maybe they can help you get supplies and fluids, antibiotics for the horses. So I reached out and I flew over to Puerto Rico, got supplies, went back to, um, went back to St. Martin, took care of the horses, stayed there for, uh, I would say probably about another year or not even. And I got offered a job in Puerto Rico working for one of the training centers here. And so I took up the offer and um, came to Puerto Rico and never left. Been here, been here since. <laughs> That's so amazing. I mean, so many ways it's like, oh, it sounds like, like paradise living on this island in the Caribbean, <laughs> just gorgeous. And in other ways, it does sound like, wow, that's a lot of work that you willingly took on. But man, do we applaud you for doing it. And so how many horses are you having come through CTA? And how many are Puerto Rican bred versus those who are being imported in? We have about 45 come through CTA a year. Um, I think we would probably have more if we had the space and we had the um, the funding for sanctuary um, and the space for sanctuary uh, because most of the horses we get are pretty broken by the time they get to us. So I think that um, we are working on a couple of um, projects trying to get more land and um, ways to get more um, funding for these type of horses. Uh so the native breads, I would say, I, I find the native breads don't last as long. Um, usually the native breads break down a lot quicker than the imports do. Uh, just, I think, better um, better quality of everything um, with the imported horses as they're growing up compared to what we have down here regarding like feed and care and hay, local hay. Uh, so... But we do get the odd one, um, like I'm sure we're going to talk about one later on in the program that we're really excited is going to go to the makeover. Oh, exciting. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, right now, the problem is with the native breads, a lot of them test positive for pyroplasmosis, which is um, the tick disease that we have here um, down in the most most of the um, islands. And so they can't travel back to the U.S. So we do tend to I mean, we have sent a couple of native breads up uh, to to the states. Luckily, they were negative. But I, I would say it's about half and half. Or, or it used to be a lot more imports, mostly was imports that would come in. But lately, we have been getting a lot of um, more native bred horses. Okay. And so 
besides all the challenges faced with just not having the land resources and you don't have, you know, again, just the ease of having your own hay fields. You know, we have some luxuries on the mainland that I think we forget about when we have horses. Yes. <laughs> uh, so what are the biggest, you know, challenges of operating um, a thoroughbred aftercare facility in this type of environment? Definitely the land and the terrain is a big, um, a big difficulty for us. I mean, luckily, um, um, our farm here is we're, we're just kind of like sloping hills, the 10 acres that we have. So we're pretty lucky, but it's really hard to find good flat land um, here in Puerto Rico on the, on the south side of the island. There's quite a bit, but um, it, I mean, of course, we don't have the money to purchase land. Mm-hmm. So uh, we we just kind of have to go with what we have here. Um, supplies is always a headache. You can get certain things. Um, I mean, we here at Caribbean Thoroughbred Aftercare, we do not use imported feed because we can't afford it. Mm-hmm. So we do use a local um, feed, which we did. We did work with a nutritionist um, from the States just to kind of give us some guidance on which would be the best one for our off the track thoroughbreds. Mm-hmm. So um, we do use a local feed and our local hay. Um, it's, it's okay. It, it, it can, it depends on what the weather's like really on how it is when it gets to me, if it's damp or, um, I mean, it's nowhere near as nice as your hay in the States, but, um, it hurricane season also can become really difficult because the, the, the factories will close down, the feed factories will close down, or there's no hay because it's too wet for months on end. So um, we try and stock up as much as we can, but then we have the risk of it going bad. So uh, it's, uh, it, it can be logistically difficult at times. I can imagine so, but yet you guys are doing it. And that's the crazy thing. I think it really, really sets the tone that if you really want to accomplish something, you can, you can make it work. And I think you guys get a ton of support from the public, which is fabulous to see that people care about these horses and want to see them succeed. I'd love to know a little bit more about the horse that we should be looking for in the makeover um, yes. from you guys. So um, Reservado, he is uh 14, I think now he's a 14 year old native bred horse, war horse. He has, um, let me see here. He's got 105 starts. Um, he is with Susie Norris at Hart. This is um, the second time that we've um, teamed up with Hart. We love Susie. She took big twist um, to the makeover a couple of years ago from us. And uh, so, yeah, when he came out positive, I mean, I cried. I was just like, I can't believe, or negative, I'm sorry, <laughs> negative for pyroplasmosis. It was like, I can't believe this horse is negative because he came from the side of the island where pyro is, um, the percentages are super high. Mm. Um, so I knew it would be a great thing to get him to the makeover because he's a native bred war horse and it would be the first time ever a native Puerto Rican horse was going to the um, makeover. So of course I, I knew Susie would be the best person. So I reached out to Susie and she jumped right on board. She was like, yes, that'll be great. But then we had, um, he came to us in January of 2020 and then we had a paddock mishap and he refractured an old splint fracture. Hmm. And I was devastated. I was just like, oh my God, what, and me, he wasn't really lame, but he had the fracture. 
And so we talked to our faithful and amazing vet here, Dr. Ricardo Lonas, that's been like the only vet in Puerto Rico that has supported us 100% since um, 2016, since the storm. And uh, so he said, let's do surgery. I can put a couple of screws in that. It'll heal super nice. So it postponed everything to get him to the makeover in 2000. 20, which Mm -hmm. didn't happen anyway, because of COVID. Mm -hmm. So um, we ended up sending him up, I think in the end of May, June last year, and he's doing fabulous. He's doing so great. Um, Susie's daughters are riding him. And um, he's, uh, he's, he's just, I think it's going to be super exciting. So I can't wait. Yeah, I can't wait. And he's white. So that makes it even better. (laughs) Wait, he's a white thoroughbred? Yeah. Well, he's gray. He's gray. Sorry. Oh, well, still, but, but super Everyone like almost excited. white. I mean, he has just a few specks of gray. I mean, he's basically white. He's really a unicorn coming in for the show. Oh, oh totally. I can't wait to watch him. Totally. And it was funny because, um, when he, when he fractured, um, when he had the accident and the day I trailered him into the racetrack to the clinic to have, I mean, he just, he was so stressed. I mean, he just did not want to be there. And this happens quite frequently. Like if I take the horses back to the track, they're just so different when they come here. I mean, which they probably are with most aftercares. I mean, when, when horses come off the track, they just don't want to go back because of the whole, the whole, um, the whole atmosphere is just Mm -hmm. something they don't want to be around anymore. And he was just uncontrollable the day I took him back there and everybody was like, Oh my God, this horse, he's just like, I mean, he was prancing, he was pawing, he was kicking, he was rearing up. I mean, he was terrible. I mean, he, he just was telling me like, Kelly, I do not want to be back at this racetrack. So, um, and then he had to stay there for a few days after surgery just to make sure, you know, everything was okay for them to change the bandages. But, um, uh, Ricardo has a lot of faith and trust in me that I've been doing this long enough. Now I can pretty much do everything here at the farm. So after three days, he was like, take him home. Oh, fabulous. Well, what a great story. And I can't wait to watch him. It's going to be phenomenal to see it. You know, he's kind of setting the tone for these native horses coming to the makeover and going to get some really great exposure for you guys as well. Do you know what discipline he's competing in yet? Um, Susie did mention, I think that they may do trail with him. Okay. I think seeing all the thoroughbreds come through trail. I think it's great to see him in the Western world and getting that exposure too. It's, it really proves just the diversity of these horses and their ability to kind of take any challenge that comes in front of them. Um, and I think, you know, I've, I've only gotten to see two horses, um, personally that have come from Caribbean thoroughbred aftercare. And that was run binky run and worthy things. Okay. Yeah. But Kyle took both of them. Yeah. Yeah. And those horses are so resilient. And once they bond it, it's like they'll walk through fire for you. Well, and Kyle, Oh, I'm sorry. It, she, they're going to be doing dressage. Oh, dressage. Okay. My favorite sport. With Rizzarello. <laughs> they're going to do dressage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kyle's been amazing. Kyle is one of our board members. He's so supportive of CTA. He came to visit me. He stayed with me, which was awesome for about five days. So he saw what I have to go through every single day here. He went to the racetrack and um, 
he uh, he was amazing when he took Binky. I mean, Binky was in such dire straits when I took her off the track after the storm. And the vet kept saying, you know, we really should euthanize her because um, she did have a little bit of laminitis. And uh, but she pulled through it. I mean, she was super, like you say, resilient. And um, he he jumped right on board. He goes, I'll take her. And I was like, you sure? And he's like, yep, I'll take her. And then worthy of wings also. I mean, she was a she was a nervous wreck when she came off the track. I mean, she was 13, I think, when she came off the track and a um, hundred and something starts. I mean, they're just, their stress levels. At, at, and we see so many down here, these war horses that are older and with, you know, 120 starts and up that um, <coughs> they're, um, they're just done. I mean, they just don't want to be there anymore. And um, it's surprising how some of some of them just are able to tolerate it for so many years and, and then adapt into a second career. I mean, it's pretty amazing. Absolutely. Well, and there's a lot of that work that's come from you. Like you, you are the catalyst, the person who's put in the effort and set, said, like, I'll sign up as tribute to do the work and set a difference and set a standard. And I, I applaud you. And I know our listeners are too. So thank you so much, Kelly, for all that you do. If people want to get involved or want to learn how to adopt through CTA, what's the best way they can get a hold of you? Okay. Well, right now um, we have just started a new marketing concept. Um, we, we, we don't have any money um, dedicated to um, flying the horses out of here. So we have started a new campaign <clears throat> and a fundraiser for $75,000 because it costs us anywhere between 60 to 80,000 a year just to move about 25 horses back to the States. And because we don't have any money that can be actually dedicated to that, um, other than after the finish line, they have helped us. Um, they usually help us twice a year with quarantine and airfare for two horses. Um, but we don't, other than that, we don't have money that we can actually use for flying. So it's really hard for us. Um, if we don't raise enough money for each horse, when we fly them, we have to take it out of our reserve emergency money, which <coughs> at, at one point is going to run out. So um, we are looking for people to share this fundraiser. They can find it on our, um, on our Facebook page. And it's kind of cool because you can either just donate to it or you can run your own fundraiser through like your business or with your friends. And then at the end of like six months, you can be like, wow, I raised $2,000 for, you know, for flying horses back to the mainland. So that we're pretty excited about that. We just started last week um, for the three horses that we have in quarantine right now that are heading all heading back to sister aftercares, TAA accredited. And, um, and then adoption, we have our pre-adoption application on our website, which is www.ctahorse.com, where people um, can go and fill out the application. It comes directly through to my email to see, make sure um, that people qualify, of course, to adopt one of our horses. And then <clears throat> if it is somebody in the States, we... We don't have adoption fees sending horses back to the States um, because we're so desperate for people to help us. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's pros and cons on that. I have different um, feelings about it because I know with the aftercares in the States, everybody um, pays can pay quite a hefty adoption fee when they adopt from some of these aftercares and we don't get anything for our horses. Mm -hmm. So um 
it's uh, we, if somebody does adopt from us, we, we ask them, you know, if they could cover maybe the cost once the horse gets to uh, Miami, the, the transport up to Ocala and then the transport from Ocala, wherever they're going to go. So um, we just kind of start to get to know the adopter and see how they can help. And, uh, but that is a big logistical nightmare for us. Um, you know, just trying to raise the money to get each horse out of here, but we have to, because I mean, we just don't have enough homes for them here on an Island. I, I can imagine that. And it's amazing that you've waived that adoption fee. So if that takes a burden out for sure on the, on the purchaser or the adopter, but, um, definitely makes a little things hard for you guys too, but yes, yeah, you always put the horse first, Kelly, and that that's remarkable. And we, we thank you for that. Uh, thank you so much again for being on our show. I'm glad we were able to talk about uh, Caribbean thoroughbred aftercare. It's such an ama- amazing organization to me. It sets a standard of what the horse is about, why we do this. It, it's about what the show is about. Uh, talk about the aftercare and adoption of the retired racehorse. So thank you for all the work that you do. Thank you, Joy. And um, I hope to see you at the makeover. I'm definitely going to go. And that's if that's if they let me. <laughs> yeah, same here. Same here. So we'll see you there. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Kelly. Okay. Thank you. Cashel Company helps you enjoy the ride with their full line of trail bags and tush cushions. From cantle bags to horn bags and everything in between, comfort and convenience on the trail is what Cashel does best. To stay up to date with the latest products and news, follow Cashel Company on Facebook and Instagram. And to find their products, visit an authorized dealer or visit cashelcompany.com. Well, unfortunately, we couldn't, due to technology, get Chelsea on to talk about Friends of Ferdinand's new program, The Broodmare Bunch. But we will get somebody on to talk about it because I do think it's important. It's amazing. They have decided to rehome broodmares because, you know, there's a lot of organizations that are rehoming off the off the track racehorses. But, you know, once these mares are done with their career or they're young and they are not successful at it or they're just not uh, cut out for it, they need homes as well. So Friends of Ferdinand, which is an amazing rehoming organization, uh, is doing the broodmare bunch. If you want to learn more about it before we do get them on to talk about it, go to friendsofferdinand.com. Thank you. It's that time in Retired Racehorse Radio where we get to talk to one of our favorite people on the planet, Leandra Cooper from New Vocations Racehorse Adoption. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us. How is life for Leandra? Oh, it's just well. <laughs> Are you okay? Are you being sarcastic? <laughs> What's going on? No, no, it is good. You know, the sun is back out in Kentucky and there's truly very, it feels like there's very little to complain about when, okay. when the sun is shining, the weather's warming up and... And it's that Um, magical, it's that magical time, Leandra, in between blankets and fly masks where you don't have to put anything on your horse. It's amazing. Truly. Yeah. It is truly (laughs) a a twinkle period. I'll call it like pure magic. It's a magical time. Soak up all you can. It's about eight days long. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we And and that's kind of what I wanted to talk to you about is because it is spring and it is the time of year where all the horses start shedding. You know, a lot of horses get really itchy and they scratch on the trees or whatever, but there's also a lot of, especially thoroughbreds and off the track thoroughbreds because they don't have quite, they're not as fleshy usually Mm -hmm. as they don't actually enjoy 
being groomed. And I wanted to know some, I'm just going to switch it up and just get some grooming tips for you because I have two thoroughbreds and one would like you to take a metal rake and like rake it up and down his body. Like that would be his best day. And the other one doesn't even really particularly care for a soft brush. Yeah. Yeah. And those ones are the tricky ones, obviously, because you still need to groom them. And this is, you know, like the time when they like to be covered in dirt or maybe he's got Mm -hmm. mud still. And so that's a really tricky period. And I kind of have two magic weapons. Um, One of them is the tiger tongue. Have you used that before? No. What's it called? I love the tiger tongue. (laughs) Tiger. I don't know how you would describe it. It's, it kind of looks like a sponge, but it's made out of um, what what is kind of like I don't know how you would describe it. Wiry material. It's yeah. It's almost like not as harsh as like the copper scrubby as you use for your dishes, yeah. but it's like an but intense thing, sponge. Yeah, that's okay. Density to it. I googled tiger tongue, and now there's all these oh, yeah. pictures of a tiger tongue. Go so on what? Amazon. Tiger okay. tongue. Stuff. <laughs> Yeah. Well, what it does is it traps all the the dirt that like generally is airborne because this is also the time of year. Well, I feel like maybe there really is no expiration date on it, but where you're grooming them and it just feels like you're transferring the dirt from them to you. And the tiger tongue is not only sensitive enough for these um, thinner skinned, you know, not as fleshy horses like the off the track thoroughbreds, but it also does a really good job and you can use it all over their body so I really, really like that. And then the other Hot tip is number that... one, I've got it in my cart. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and it doesn't break the bank. So I appreciate that. Eleven fifty. Okay. It's it it mm-hmm. just looks like a tack cleaning sponge. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Like a giant one. Okay. Cool. What what's the other one? And the second one is I guess there are a lot of different companies who make similar products now, but I had always had one from the Gruma brand, so G-R-O-O-M-A. And what it is, is like a curry that's made out of the sort of long spherical, like many, many long spherical, like rubber bits, if that makes sense. That is a terrible description. I'm really feeling your <laughs> description. I'm in Google right now and I'm like, I don't even know what to type. <laughs> You're like, what do you search? Uh, okay, so it's a type of curry, but it's instead of like the hard nodules, it's a bunch of little like, finger moving part. So I like a sea anemone almost, but, uh, but like little rubber bits. And because it doesn't have like those hard um, rubber peaks, then a lot of horses are really receptive to it, especially with like, if you're um, grooming on their head, like they really lean into it. They love it. So that works out really well for these guys. Cause again, you have to groom them. Um, and I think it just does a good job of like really buffing them well, like bringing out the oils um, and the dirt and everything else you can get off. And I always appreciate, I'll say this one extra one, the hard brushes that are kind of in between like a medium hard brush that have the really long bristles Mm -hmm. because I think that it gives them like a little extra softness and it does a really good job of like flicking the dirt right off. Okay. 
All right. Well, I've got some things in my cart and I've got some things I need to Google. If you've come up with it, take, take a picture of it and send it to me and I'll post it on the Retired Racehorse yeah. Radio Facebook page so everybody can see what the thing with the little thingies that is a groomer yeah. thing. The that sea anemone thing. The sea anemone. Yeah, <laughs> sea anemone. That's fantastic. Well, thank you for those tips. Now, let's talk a little bit about a horse named Tilt. Well, Tilt is a little bit different than some of the other guys because he's a little older. So, um, and he actually came back into our program as some of them do. And we have a, what I like to call a lifetime membership for the horses who come through our program. So if at any point in their lives, it's not working out, even if that's, you know, financial reasons, like, you know, with COVID, a lot of people were dealing with that. We actually only had a couple horses come back because of that's what we were lucky. But just as an example of a situation, and um, situations like if somebody becomes injured down the line, the horses always have a place in our program. So the situation with Tilt is, you know, he came back and he needed to get back into a little bit of work and um, he really didn't seem to skip a beat. So he's a 2015 gelding. He's dark bay. He has that nice thick build that a lot of people appreciate. Um, he's a big guy. He has really nice bloodlines, especially ones that you don't see as often. Like I really appreciate the Conquestor Cielo. I don't, I don't ever know how to pronounce it. Conquistador Cielo. Conquistador. Yeah, that's what I said, right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Same thing. Um, and Aladars, love the Aladars. Um, but he just, he's one of those horses who kind of comes off as aloof until you get to know him. And once you get to know him, he kind of locks onto you. Then he will have his head out of the stall, always waiting for you. He loves treats, um, but he's also really respectful. He is older, like I said, and a little bit more seasoned. So he had experience with his previous adopter. And that just means he's more of a turnkey project where a lot of times people are wanting to have a little bit of a project, but then don't maybe want to commit to that like real baby green right yeah. off the track. And here's yeah. a good in between. So he just is kind of this perfect blend, but he also is a really nice mover. He's super comfortable, which I've grown to appreciate more and more as yeah. I age. And <laughs> <laughs> he just, he's flashy. He has that confidence to him that makes him stand out no matter where he is. And I will also add, he hacks out alone and doesn't mind at all. Yeah, I I love the video of somebody is filming between his ears, which means they've got one hand on the rein. There's a dog running around. There's he's just oh, like yeah. totally by himself, just clopping on down the lane. He looks awesome. And I, I, when you said he was a little bit older, I just had a horse come in through training that just retired and he was ten. Now he is yeah. not. When you said a little older, I'm like, oh, he's only like six, right? I mean, six. he's not the, that sure old. Is. So yeah, and he's in yeah. Good when shape you work and- with just two and three year olds all the time, like me, you get really biased and <laughs> you're like <laughs> about so and- But it's so much, isn't it? So much true. Like how much more balanced a six year old is in the arena yeah. versus a three year old or a two year old. I mean, my gosh, they're just like it's like a wiggle worm mm-hmm. versus like, and you're like, wow, you're so big and developed and trained. You know, it's it's yeah. just and it, still having more to grow. Truly. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in their brain. So, well, go check him yeah. out. He is on horseadoption.com. Uh, Tilt is his name and he is a 16 two hand dark bay with the whopping adoption fee of $1,000. And he won over $15,000 in three races. So not bad. 
bad. <laughs> you didn't lose everything. <laughs> We've seen worse. <laughs> All right, Aleandra, thank you so much for being on and uh, talking to us about Tilt and about some grooming things. I've got something in my uh, shopping cart now on Amazon. So thanks for that. Oh, good. <laughs> well, thanks for having me. You can find our show notes and links to today's guest on the website of Retired Racehorse Radio. You can like us on Facebook, search for Retired Racehorse Radio, or Twitter on Horse Radio. And I have a Facebook page, Flyover Farms, Jamie Jennings, Certified Monty Roberts Instructor. Or you can email me at jamie at horseradionetwork.com. Uh, you can email me at joy at horseradionetwork.com or find me on Instagram at the Foodie Equestrian. Thank you so much to our sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products and Cashel Company. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Don't forget to set your goals high and love to learn from every ride. And spay, neuter, and geld. Bye, guys. <laughs>